0: What's happening, RSL Nation? It's your boys Adele and the Baker back at you with another podcast of Scarf Life. The Baker, how you doing, homie? I mean I mean I'm I'm pretty good, can't
1: complain. You are gonna get us like proper sued by uh 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 by, by Aspen? Aspen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Out here infringing on that trademark, bro. Hey man, I read somewhere you can have up to six seconds of a sample clip. So co- count me down. Right. Go one, two, three, go. One, ta-na-na, ta-na-na. Four, three. Yeah, there it is. Less than six
1: six seconds. Eh. I think the problem is I told you that, and I don't know if I believe it anymore. You know. <laughs> so, so, so I think upon further review that that theory might not hold up under scrutiny. It might not hold up in court, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, he told me in person that if it was less than six seconds, I could
0: use it. So that I'm good, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how the law works, right? That's that. That's my assumption. Yeah. And you know what? I think we have mentioned it on the podcast at least twice now. So it's out in the uh, podcast fair. So I think we're legally covered.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I think it's worth noting that if they really didn't want us to do it, I mean, A, no one from ESPN is aware that we exist. But two, (laughs) they'd send us a cease and desist letter. We we used to get those on the reg.
0: (laughs) I miss those good old days.
1: Yeah, just, you know, you know know you're doing okay when someone's sending you a cease and desist letter.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, who is going to send it now? I mean, no one owns the team, if you think about it. So there's some of that, anyways. Baker, uh, RSL Nation, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, it seems, but I know it hasn't. It's been a week since we talked, right? But man, the, these—I I said this last time, and I'm—I'm I'm gonna double down. I'm not complaining about the frequency of, of games at of which we are, well, which we are, which we are experiencing right now. But I don't remember there ever being literally two games a week. I mean, it's
1: right Saturday, For Wednesday, many.
0: Sunday, Wednesday, you know, Saturday again, Wednesday. It, sure. it almost feels like the NBA season at some point. Right. And, and like,
1: you know, like I think back on the, those innocent, you know, days just last year where like you and I would be sitting there and it's like, we've got to, you know, it'd be like the one time a year, when it was like a Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday or something, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, Petkey's got to rest, guys. We've got to, you know, you've got the Wednesday game you got to think about. And it's like now all of that feels so silly
0: because <laughs> it's like, dude, we got a game every 30 seconds. Who's next? And it's like we do a podcast once a week. Right. And there are two games between every podcast at all yeah, times. Yeah,
1: and, and it actually is, it
0: you know, Not to sit here and complain, but
1: like we like to record or we historically have recorded Tuesday night. Yep. The problem with Tuesday night is, you know, usually I'll send you a message like, hey, you want to do a podcast tonight? And then one of us will mention, well, there's a game tomorrow. Like no one's going to have time. Like what are we going to say between tonight and tomorrow morning that people are going to have time to tune in that isn't going to be outdated by the time the game rolls around? Yeah. So then Wednesday rolls around, and we usually have a few and watch the game. And, you know, post-match quickies used to be a thing, but it's getting kind of hard to do that. And so it's like, well, we're not going to do it on the game, game day. So Thursday becomes this next weird, like, best. So, I don't know, maybe maybe keep an ear out on for us on Thursday nights, Personal Nation.
0: Yeah, or something. I mean, it, it is it is dumb that we get surprised every Tuesday that there's a game the next day. Right. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening here anyways so what are we gonna tell to another to people today?
1: well i mean i think you have a pretty great summary of the game which i'd love to have you read um then we're going to talk about you know next game up and we do have a a, a schedule again as weird as that sounds and then uh you know we, we've got some news regarding the team and dunny hinting at a few things during the uh, during the uh, game mm-hmm. uh, against uh, against LA and that'll probably be, be the hour for us.
0: Perfect. So let's get right into it, man. Because that game against the LA Galaxy, it seems we're doing best against teams that have the name LA in them somewhere. So we can keep playing the LA teams. I think we'll be all right. And I know we'll talk about the rest of the schedule a little bit. We have another LA game <clears throat> at some point eventually. But I was watching the game last night preparing for a post match quickie or just at some point a a, a, a podcast and um let, let me literally read you the notes. <laughs> Here's what it reads. Please do North End Standing Room, Albert good, Crylock like as usual, Everton baller, outside backs good.
1: I mean that is about as good of a summary as you like as you're gonna get anywhere.
0: So let's get into the game, man. Two zero. Yes. At home against Much the LA needed. against the LA Galaxy. I mean, oh my god. I mean, if if there was ever a time when we needed three points desperately, not even for the sake of three points, but also for the sake of three points. I mean, it was getting a little depressing there. And then I saw Chicharito in their yeah. lineup. Yeah,
1: I kind of forgot about that guy, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh you were so you are obviously not in town, so you were not listening to the local uh broadcast. Um Donnie was kind of fat-shaming him. (laughs) I mean, indirectly. I mean, he mentioned, oh, uh, he's a little chubbier or (laughs) or something. I can't remember the exact verbiage he used, but he must have used it three or four times. Right. he always added to it. You know, he had a calf injury. He couldn't run. He couldn't stay. You know, all these different things. But he he kept saying, yeah, he's a little, uh," I mean, he wasn't saying the words, but he was basically hinting at He's a little chubby. Sure, um, sure. or he's running out of gas real quick. So, but when I saw Chicharito in the lineup, I just I have flashbacks of him coming off the bench in Manchester or at Real, the 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 other Real, you know, right. the, the junior the, European right. version of Real Salt Lake,
1: our, our feeder, our feeder club, yeah, the
0: feeder club, Real Madrid. I just had visions of him coming off the bench in off the bench, and always scoring the important goals. I and mean, he was a baller for a while. He. He was like a super sub at every team that he played, Uh, except for Bayer Leverkusen. When he went there, he was just, I mean, he was killing it, absolutely murdering it there uh, for at least a year or two. So, yeah, when I saw him in the lineup, and then Danny kept talking about, you know, his weight, um, I got a little worried. I won't lie. I got a little worried. Uh, But it worked out all right. I'm looking at the stats right now. Mm -hmm. 13 shots to their seven. Six on target to their one. Sure. Right. Um, we had more of the possession. We had, I mean, basically we, we played to get a better game. Right. And I mean, might as well get right into it, but I also thought we got lucky, man. Yeah. cow, yeah. We got lucky in a pa- few different, uh, a few different situations.
1: For sure. I think, I think if two things, if Pavon as weird as it sounds was maybe like slightly more clinical, that game is different. And then I think, honestly, if the L.A. midfield was a little better at getting to ball to their amazing striker depth, um, you know, I, I think. So I think, yeah, Chicharito wasn't running to any balls, let's call it what it is. Like, I think the dude's a threat, obviously, you know, one of the most decorated players in like Mexican national team history. And they've got a few dudes to pick from. Like, it's a, you know, it's a deep, yeah. rich squad, especially when you say history. Um. So yeah, it, it, it's. I think he he wasn't going to create anything himself. But if if that midfield had been a little better, it, it could have been could have been a bad bad night. Um. But yeah, man. Like I don't know if you remember, but back when they made the signing, like it feels like a literally a lifetime ago now. But the video was released of Chicharito calling his dad as he was like, yeah, I'm, I you know I signed it. I'm essentially going to the MLS dude was crying he was bawling he's like it's the end and I, I don't have the exact language here but it was very I think it's very clear that he and I know la galaxy fans or the, the two that are listening to this are like getting ready to tear my throat out and it's like no he was referencing in Europe but I think based off that phone call with his dad I think it's pretty clear that he's viewing this as like last kind of i'm gonna play some exhibition games in the u.s make some money right and like this this is like he was treating the conversation as if he was saying hey i'm basically retiring here pops um so i don't think it surprises me that he hasn't been the impact player that the galaxy have hoped for
0: at all and especially if you think about whom he's replacing or whom he is supposed to replace i mean let's not make a mistake about it he came over to sell jerseys amongst other things right sure But I think he mentioned something about it being close, closer to retirement or something, multiple times, before he walked it back. Obviously, but I think we all know what's happening, right? And he came. He, he, they're trying to replace Zlatan with him. Uh, Come on, man! Zlatan, who, by the way, was confirmed to have COVID as of today. I'm not sure if you heard that. Which, um, as he said on his Twitter feed, "COVID dared to mess with me" or something like that. Bad mistake. (laughs) of <laughs> course you know in typical zlatan fashion but yeah no chicharito was a non-factor but i was still afraid throughout the whole game i was very worried because he has a history of not doing a damn thing and then putting him away right so it, it, it did not stop that worry um for me at all let's talk about some of our guys so
1: yes in, into your expert analysis of uh, albert good the, uh, Everton, baller.
0: So, let's go, Albert Good. But before we get to Albert Good, yeah, let's talk about Merrim. So, okay, Justin draws the penalty. He does. He does. Any doubt in your? I mean, that's a clear penalty. There was zero complaints by anyone about it. Yeah, that's that's textbook. I, I it
1: was it was so textbook that I've that I I almost like forgot about it. Like it. it it's like when you pull it up on like class, like when you're teaching that to the referees, like, hey, you ever see this? It's obviously a penalty.
0: Yeah, yeah, clear penalty. But Justin, in general, not just at that play, because he did well to get to that ball. I thought he did good. It feels to me like he is starting to get into his own, and he he was he spent quite a bit of time on the ball. I think didn't he didn't set up the second goal, but he was one of the guys. That was on the ball leading up to the goal, wasn't he?
1: I think pretty, on the second goal, he might have already been subbed out. If I'm not, no, no, he was, would have still been on. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't remember him subs, on I mean, the It's,
0: it's Freddie, man. He doesn't sub until the game's almost over. <laughs>
1: right. But um,
0: I, I liked him on the ball yesterday a lot. He looked comf- he looked comfortable. He looked like he had time. Looked like he was making the right decisions. Um, I, I'm I'm really positively surprised. I, I think he's making a bigger impact that I thought he was going to be making coming into the season. What do you think?
1: Uh, just to correct myself, he definitely was still on the field for the second goal. Um, yeah, it, it's so. I think it's twofold. If someone had said, "Hey, uh, Justin Miram is going to be like one of your primary like starters," and not only that but like a very serious contributor to the attack to me i would have like total honestly i would be shocked like when we first signed him i always viewed him as like veteran depth that would come in late to a game just like a dude on the bench that you throw in you're chasing a goal you're away you, you, you need a late equalizer or th- that was the scenario and the reason for that is because, uh, you know, believe it or not, we signed a young Venezuelan DP in Jason Ramirez that I thought would be, you know, maybe not a direct one-to-one comparison to Jefferson Salvarino, but like starting, you know, I thought the dude would be getting the majority of the minutes in that position.
0: Um, and that's, that's obviously not happening. Yeah, he was supposed to be. I mean, he was signed as a replacement, right? Make no mistake about it. You don't replace a Saverino I mean, he's killing it down in Mexico, I think, still, isn't he? Brazil. Right now. So, yeah, he's, he's doing well. But, yeah, you're right. I completely forget about Ramirez on that. But either way, I was positively surprised by the impact uh, Merriman had on the game. Not just that game, but it, it just seems like he's coming into his own. Seems like he's calm on the ball. Is distributing it well, obviously not putting him away at, at you know, any kind of rate that will earn him any team of the week honors or anything like that. But I thought he, he was contributing really well. Um, and then drew the penalty, which clearly was a penalty. Let's talk about the penalty in Albert for a second. Yeah. So one gotta... goal, one assist. Again, you were not listening to the RSL broadcast version no donny kept calling out how that was a really good penalty that he took and i'm like i don't think so dude that was not a good penalty it was just again yeah Bingham got got a hand to that exactly so it was on target with power right? right um i can never i cannot remember and this is not just this year this goes back a couple of years I cannot remember ever feeling more nervous about my regular penalty kick taker when he's taking penalties ever i just he, he being not cannot... what's that yeah, he, uh, yeah albert i i he, I am extremely nervous when he's taking penalties. He hasn't missed a lot of them. I remember him missing at least a couple. He missed one, one earlier this year, remember? Right. Um, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. And you should be nervous when your team is about to take a penalty, I think in general, at least a little bit. But I'm just thinking throughout the years and all the different penalty takers. And, you know, Plata was taking them for a while. And Javi Mo before that was taking them. And, I mean, hell, we can go back to Jason Christ if you really wanted to. But a lot of different players have taken the penalties throughout the year. Sabo Rio, right? But most recently it's been Plata and then it's been Albert. I do not ever remember, including all of my teams that I support throughout the world, I don't remember being more. I don't. There's not a different penalty taker that takes their penalties on a regular basis than Albert Rushnak for Real Salt Lake, and about whom I am nervous taking having taking the penalties. I know that was that was a, that was a yeah. alphabet soup of the English language I just spilled there. Right. Yeah. But uh, does it that make sense what I'm saying? No, no, a hundred percent it does. And
1: yeah, I, I was very much looking forward to criticizing. Uh, how, how you went about with that specific uh, story there. But yeah, to, j- just to summarize for, uh, you know, the members of RSL Nation that don't speak Adele. Um, it, it's, so, you know, Mo taking them, it, like, there's nervous energy there, but there wasn't a lot of, like, you felt more confident that it would go in than not go in. Um, Plata, I think for a while, I, I felt a little weird about um but yeah you know with him it was also like he's probably gonna bury this thing no no problem um with albert ruschnack that's not quite the you know that's not quite the case it's um you know the, I, and I'm, I'm with you it's um, uh, like hold on what am, what am i trying to say it, it, yeah. Speaking of alphabet soup, it, 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 it's one of those things where you don't want to insult the man because, like, he does—he does put him away more often than he doesn't. But there is this—you know what? I actually think it—it it stems from. It's from when we were playing that SKC game. All it like, feels like a, once again, like two years ago now, or you know, maybe last year, and we got the penalty, and Albert steps up to take it. And he tries that really, really weird, like half-attempted uh, Paninka that the yeah. chip, and it just like it like floats right into the hands of Timilia, and I remember my heart just breaking. Um, and, and I think ever since then I've had this like weird. And then I think short, I think the next one after that he makes, but then the one after that. So like not the next one, but the one after. Mm. And I'm talking about these like they were all like back-to-back-to-back. They weren't. There were probably, you know, three or four games between all of these. I think he missed. And so in my mind, you know, some of it might be that recency bias. I'm going, this guy isn't a sure thing on, on penalties. Nobody's a sure thing on penalties. But Albert failed in a way that was very visible. And then he failed shortly again after. I don't think he's missed since. But yeah. the problem is I'm only remembering that weird three stretch yeah. where two out of three he missed because the first one was so damn memorable. If he just sent it over the bar or, you know, the keeper pushed it wide, we I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But he did it in such a visible way that, like, you associated with him. And I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's – there's we this isn't the first time we've talked about Albert's penalty taking. And, you know, maybe – you know, he, he is the DP midfielder, and that's fine, but maybe one of the DP strikers should be taking it, but the problem with that is there are no DP strikers on the field when Arsenal <laughs> plays. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's, there, there is definitely, and I know it's not us, It's I know it's not just us who feel this way. There are other people that have mentioned this to me before. Um, but yeah, it's this, like,
0: nervous energy when Albert's, you know, lining up to take penalties. And I'm glad you called out the examples there because now I remember them. I very, very vividly remember the SKC one, right? Because that was, on top of everything else, on top of it being soul-crushing and soul-defeating and and depressing, it was also embarrassing, right? It it just seemed embarrassing. Right. And I wasn't even remembering those, but, yeah, you're probably right. That's where it could stem from. It's Again, he converts them. He usually takes them well. I I disagree with Danny that that was a well-taken penalty yesterday. Right, um, I mean, it went in, so that's all that freaking matters at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, there's something there's something funny about it. Uh, anyways, I thought he had a really good game yesterday. I He, he did have an outstanding game.
1: And it, the, the, it is probably worth pointing out that at the, at the end of the day, any penalty that goes into the back
0: of the net is a good penalty. Counts the same. Counts the same, yep. One. Counts the exact same no matter how you put it away. Well, so he had the penalty that he converted, but I thought his assist was world class. I mean, that was a sweet finish for 2-0 from Demir, and we'll get to him in a second. Right. But man, that assist from Albert for for that 2-0, taking the ball down the left side, keeping it, uh, not going around his man, but backing his man up just enough so he has some space, finding uh, a a running Demir Krylak at the top of the box, or actually inside of the box, slotting it in to have him take a perfect perfectly placed well collected shot on goal i mean i just i loved everything about that play for sure it seemed to me for for a change albert was that dp midfielder that was distributing them that was getting the ball coming back and getting the ball that was keeping the ball that was kind of calming the game that is the albert we need
1: yeah, yeah, I mean you you beat me to it. Uh but yeah, that's that's what 2 million dollars is supposed to look like. Like that's the guy that we need week in and week out if we're going to be serious about competing for anything that matters. Um if we're going to be serious about making the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> without yeah. struggling. Right. Yeah, given given recent form, that's actually Probably a much more reasonable goal. Um, no, man. Yeah, it's when Albert's on, he's all the way on. I think whatever conversation took place uh, after the uh, the Vancouver game was much needed because um, because a, a, a few guys came back to to their regular form.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, keep going down the list because I also want to talk about uh, Damir for a second. Sure. I mean, look, last time we last week when we did this podcast, we talked about multiple different things, but a couple of things in specific, or specifically about a couple of different things. Um, one is that when we were trying to predict what this game is going to look like or what the score was going to be like, no one knew. I didn't know. You didn't know. Nobody knew. Right. I mean, if you think about the last five or so games we played, we are the most roller coaster team of roller coaster teams. I have no idea what RSL is going to show up. It just happened that the good RSL showed up last night. a little bit of luck, sure, a couple of hits on the woodwork, sure but man it's it's let's see if this carries over. But the other thing that we talked about was who's the be- who was the best player last year and who's the best player on RSL here to date meaning this season And we immediately went to you know, is it Herrera is it Everton? I think I was making a claim Everton was the best player last year completely skipping. Demir, who clearly, I think, is our best player by far right now and has been for the last couple of years. Everton, also very good. A lot of other guys, very good. But I think we're almost starting to take for granted what Demir Crylike brings to this team. So another dominant performance, another goal, you know, the the Albert assist was world-class. Putting it away the way he put it away, also world-class just pure consistency day in and day out even everton has some games where he's not good sure i can't remember the last time the mir had an inconsistently bad game yeah. i mean just the yeah. rock man
1: it it's i think it's you know i think you could make the case for uh best player on the team pretty easily with very few disagreements um but i think most importantly at least right now is that No one's going to challenge you on the fact that, at least right now, and the way Freddie plays this team and the way he lines this team up, he's RSL's best striker. Um, I don't think he came to this club or to MLS to be a striker, but he is, and he's putting him away with some regularity. And, you know, it's how he views his position on that team and where his best position is doesn't really matter as long as, you know, the wins are coming. Um, which it, it was good to, to get a win. Um, but yeah, it, it's you know, I don't think we actually mentioned this on the podcast maybe once briefly, but he recently, I think last week or maybe the week before, uh, signed an extension with the team for, I believe for like another three years with like a four year option. Um, so we'll be we'll be seeing him for for quite a while to come and like as he was talking about it, you know, like he's a fantastic dude on the field, but I think also provides some of that veteran like leadership kind of, you know, just a good guy interacts with the fans. I I think especially given kind of the state of the club right now, he's a guy you need around just as an ambassador of RSL to show like, Hey, you know, it's a good club. It's a great fan base. And yeah, he, you know, he definitely brings it on the field week in, week out, but I also think he's got some of those – he's got some skills that Arcel desperately needs right now for off-the-field stuff too.
0: Correct me if you think otherwise. I think he should be wearing the captain's armband when Kyle is not on the pitch. Yeah, man. It's
1: – like I understand why they're giving it to Albert. But, well, I mean, it, I think some of it depends on like what you think the future of Arcel is. Um, I personally think that, all right, let, 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 this is a safe place, right? This is, this is our, it's our podcast. It's for RSL Nation.
0: No one's listening. Let's We're take five. the
1: gloves off. I don't like Albert.
0: Like yeah. straight
1: up. Um, I think he's pompous. I think he's arrogant. Um, I, I I don't know the man. I only know the soccer player and it's very easy for me to sit here and, and just say that, um, I love when, you know, he competes and he puts his team on his shoulder and, and, you know, I absolutely owe him for, you know, I think of the Houston games, like the dude straight up bailed us out, but he doesn't do that with the regularity where I think some of his attitude is, is deserved. Um, I think in an, in, in a very realistic sense. So had COVID not happened, we would have had the euros this summer. Um, Albert regularly features for his national team. And I think his value would have been at an all time high coming to the end of the euros. Right. Um, so if, if I'm of the camp that Albert Ruschnack once the euros are completed, is either going to be sold because I don't think he wants to stick around Utah. I don't think that's his end goal. Um, And ultimately, the reason I bring that up regarding the captaincy is I'd love to give it to Albert and be like, hey, Albert, this is your team. We're going to build around you and like you're going to carry us when, you know, things aren't going our way. But I don't think that's the reality. I think Albert very much views this as a great check, a great, you know, Great way to get get some regular minutes uh, at a a high profile, but like he's got an exit plan, right? He his career is not going to end in MLS. I think he's very aware of that, and I think he's he's acting that way. So ideally, I'd love Albert to wear it and to want to wear it, and I'm cool with him wearing it. But yeah, I I think the mirror is says is much more of a captain than
0: Albert for for Real Salt Lake at least. Did you just say? <clears throat> and I quote: <clears throat> "I don't like Albert."
1: Yeah, and maybe that was a gross
0: oversimplification of <laughs> the scenario. But yeah, yeah, no, I totally get what you. I get where you're coming from. I mean, again, I don't know the guys. I don't know. I don't know him. Um, yeah, there's some of that. There's a, there's a little level of uh, pompous. I think is the word you used. Approach to to not just the game. I don't mind his game. I think his game is good. Yesterday, he looked like our... And when we say $2 million player, just remember, $2 million player for someone like an Atlanta is nothing. I mean, but from RSL, from that, that's by far the highest paid player we've ever had. If I remember correctly. I can't remember what uh, Burrito was making or what Mosissian um, was making either, but I know he was well into the seven figures. But anyways, um, he looked worth the money yesterday but it's not to your point often enough to to where you can build a team around him I will obviously right was it about three or four games ago when he wasn't playing he, he couldn't play and we were missing it we can I could tell we we're missing him in there Um, so I mean he brings a certain something to the game I just don't think it's enough and I don't know what is how he approaches everyone in the locker room but I doubt it's the way the mirror approaches people in the locker room i just sure. i just think that a captain's armband is misplaced if it's not uh captain kyle obviously because that's a no-brainer right heart um, and soul of this team yeah then it should be in my opinion right. uh the mirror but anyways that's neither here nor there so let's talk about uh um, hold on before we do um, that mm-hmm. so
1: you know you said two million dollars wasn't a lot for like so actually in the greater scheme of the league. So I'm looking at the MLS player salaries for 2019. Cause that's the last time they released it. Uh, Rui Diaz, uh, the, the forward for the Sounders makes roughly a hundred thousand dollars less than Albert, uh, yeah. Ruzhnak, uh, Romaine Alessandrini for the LA galaxy makes 1.6 million. Um, Quintero for Minnesota United makes 1.7 million. Um, yeah, you know and, so it's and up there. Yeah, he he's he's definitely like by league standards. He's you know he's you don't have to scroll very far down to get to Albert's name. Let's mm-hmm. let's, let's leave it at that. Keep in mind these. So Cantero obviously no longer plays for Minnesota United. He plays for Houston Dynamo. All twenty nineteen numbers, but
0: yeah those, I think we get carried yeah. away sometimes with the few that make the five six and sevens right because yeah it's like basically Carlos
1: Vela at, and this is all yeah. 2019 is 6.3 and then well this is this is a blast from the past Schweinsteiger 5.6 for the Chicago fire last year but then yeah it's like four million and then it suddenly
0: becomes three three five. You know, and then you get into two, eight, two, five, two, four, and honestly, looking at because it was the, it's the European transfer window right now, and um, you know there's news all the time about players transferring and back and forth those are those are not we always talk about how MLs players make a lot less money, of course, the average player makes very much less than those right. seven figures right but those the ones that get into the seven figures they're they're pretty compatible with a lot of the European wages. You know, I'm, I'm looking at news coming out from players leaving Arsenal. And they're making, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's probably the ones that are making 10, 15. Sure. But the majority of them are in the 1, two, 5, 4, 3. You know what I mean? Right. I that? mean, yeah, the
1: salaries are a bell curve. You've got all of your dudes in the middle. You've got the tons of guys, you know, towards the bottom half. And you've got a few guys at the very top half or top third, I should say. Yeah. And then, yeah, where those bell curves overlap in the
0: MLS and the English Premier League is a very interesting uh, mm-hmm. spot. It is a very interesting spot. It's, it's when you take these averages. I was listening to, to uh, Daniel Tosh, the comedian, talk mm-hmm. about averages the other day. He's talking about, you know, that saying that says uh, everyone gets their five, 15 minutes of fame. And he's like, but that's on average. You get nothing. I get 20 years. On average, it's 15 minutes. <laughs> right. So it's a similar thing there. All right, let's let's keep moving, in Because there are a couple of a, a couple of other areas that I thought were good. Even during the the what we called or deemed the booty whooping of the last game, and even the Colorado game, I think we called out that season or year to date. So season to date, our both of our outside backs have been looking pretty good, and I thought that was a, another good example yesterday of both Toya and Herrera looking pretty good. Still the, the occasional blunder here and there, which let's face it, have cost us before and will most likely at some point again in the future cost us stuff. Right. But in the meantime, I thought both of our outside backs and the, I mean, I don't even want to talk about Netum cause he's just playing phenomenal this year, I would say. Um, it, I thought the outside backs had another really good game. Your thought?
1: I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I think, you know, they had very difficult opposition to cover, like uh, Pavon, Dos Santos, and Chicharito. And those guys were, I mean, Pavon was definitely trying, but ultimately all three of those guys ended up being non-factors. Toya had a few, you know, hiccups. There was one clearance that he kind of, Kind of screwed up that if i remember correctly it was pavone that put it on frame and actually hit the bar uh from the deflection so a few hiccups but all in all
0: the outside backs definitely played really well agreed and, and then uh, the other guy i want to cover real quick is everton um, yeah i like that that was that was everton gladiator old yeah man he needed that game
1: um he needed that game really badly. I think, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier in, in the podcast. It was like he's had a few bad games and, you know, everyone's entitled to have a few bad games. But like in recent memory, he, you know, he wasn't the dude of last year who was just like great match game in and game out. Yeah. Um, I, I think Freddie actually was in, in the postgame interview was asked about Everton and he's like, you know, we ended up having a conversation with him and we really challenged him during this game. And, and so I think it was a it was, it was was an apparent problem to everyone, not just the two idiots on the mics right now. Um, and, yeah, we need – so I think if I had to boil that game down, we need more of what Albert was bringing that game, and we need more of what Everton was bringing that game because that dude was breaking up plays. He was getting in, in the way of, you know, any kind of promising attack. He owned that midfield. He covered for uh, Pablo Ruiz's defensive – kind of lapses, um, which I'll continue to eat crow on this. The dude's gotten a lot better in a very short amount of time. Um, I was, I I can honestly say at this point, I think I was more wrong about Ruiz than right initially. Um, But yeah, yeah. Everton, back to
0: Everton, dude crushed it. Yeah, back to his usual self. Well, everything you, and and guess what? I think we're going to need this kind of depth and consistency if we want any chance um, for the playoffs, uh, especially to make any run in the playoffs, right? because of these back-to-back-to-back-to-backs, we, there's ve- very little room for, for error there. And right. um, I think it will show, it is an opportunity for the Pablo Ruiz example of the world to step up. Right. Um, and, and make themselves a standard part of the team, not just for the rest of this year, but also for next year um and i'm glad you were wrong on him i i think you weren't you were not too wrong you never criticized his offensive capabilities you always you were mostly complaining about his defensive positioning not even play just positioning and i don't think that's gotten much better but when you have someone like an everton playing alongside you That's exactly the cover you need. Sure, I think that that's a good that's a good duo that that they have there for sure. And uh, you know, I, I we didn't
1: really plan on talking about Ruiz, but I think a very interesting statistic from the the game against L.A. versus the game against I believe it would have been yeah Vancouver. So, you know, I think he gets a lot of praise for some of his Becker bombs, like those really long shots from distance with, you know, that are on frame that make the keeper Mm -hmm. do like a, you know, big save. And it really gets the audience, but like there's an old and commentators cliche around taking those shots from distance. And it goes something along the lines of, it's going to take something very special to beat the goalie from there. And, and, and like, I think one or two of those I'm fine with, but at a certain point, it's like, hey, have we tried anything other than this super long shot from distance? Yeah. And and that's when I was very critical of him, especially given how the Vancouver game ended. Ruiz took zero shots in the LA game, mm-hmm. and and I think he, I, I think it got through to him like, hey man, your defense. I I think they had that conversation like we you are a defender defend.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's got a good shot. I and mean, I think he converted one this year, didn't he? He, he did. He like, had a Pablo bomb. So
1: he did. And he, and, I, and that's the thing. like, If you've got a good shot, take it. But so I did some percentages, man. Like he is on frame with his shots less than half the time. So mm-hmm. right out of the gate, there goes more than – I think it was something like 43%. And then of that – they go in like 12% of the time. It, it It's not a really, it's not likely to return in, here's the thing, one or two a game, I don't mind, but his shot selection was starting to get a little frustrating. Yep. That's
0: yeah, all. Yeah, you're right. I get it. I, I thought he, he, I just didn't notice him much, which is good. Right, in that role, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and he did, yeah, I remember him, his, distributions a few times I thought those were good. Um, no it was just I would say top to bottom a good performance. I mean you know uh, Patna was I, I had to double check if he's in goal right because I think LA ended up having one shot on goal. Um, I think they don't count uh, the woodwork as shots on goal for some weird reason but um, so they had they ended up with one shot on goal. Look, just top top to bottom, up and down. I would say a solid performance against a pretty solid team. These guys, other than last game, because apparently Colorado is on a tear now. Other than last game, I think they had a decent, decent-looking and decent tenured winning streak. And uh, and and yeah, some of those some of those dudes are just monsters. So I would say top to bottom, decent performance. Here's the downside of all of this, unless you want to talk about more about the game specifically, but no, and it's not even a downside, but here's my call out. Here's the thing that depresses me knowing we just had a good game yesterday. I still have no idea what the next game is going to look like. This team is the most inconsistent RSL team that I ever remember. And that's saying a lot because we had some very inconsistent teams over the years. This weekend we're going into Minnesota to play, to play Minnesota. How weird would it be to go into Minnesota and have like play like the Red Bulls or something? So, well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what the Canadian teams are doing, right? right? So we are going, going, in, going to into Sunday. Portland to play Vancouver. <laughs> so we're going into Minnesota. I have no idea. I know Minnesota just whooped us last game four 0 this, this game could be we could be four 0 us, or it could be eight nil them or it could be zero zero i have no idea what this team is what this team means uh but before we get into the next game let's talk about standings real quick because man this game was important right so with the three points we're now on, on 17 points which puts us eighth in the western conference la galaxy is just two points behind us at 15 points i didn't this didn't even click in my head the the, the importance of this game till just earlier today, had LA won this game, they'd be at 18, we'd be at 14. We would officially be more than a game out of the playoffs. Right. How depressing would that be? Also, that would put us in 11th. It was a very, very, very important game for us. So now we're at 17 points with 13 games played. Uh, we're exactly three points behind third place Kansas City. At the same time, we are only two points ahead of 11th placed Houston. The West, the West it is crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think some of that's also just going to stem from the fact that, you know, it's a condensed season and you know, we're only going to play you know, we're not going to really play all that many games between now and playoffs and um, you know, not everyone's playing every yeah, it it it's it, it's this weird it's the it's the covid year, right? There's there's no getting around that um it
0: yeah yeah The good news for us is that i mean phase three was released and well i'm i'm just gonna think this is good news because the other thing that happened yesterday a bunch of western conference teams lost to eastern conference teams right so that played into our hands phase three is all against western conference team for us so let's get into the phase real quick because this thing is coming to a close, man, if you think about it. Yeah, right? b- basically,
1: I think MLS heard my theory about like, well, I think they're going to do three phases of six games because, you know, that makes the most sense. And they were like, nah, we're going to blow that theory right up. So they went <laughs> first phase, six games, second phase, I guess, if that's what you're going to call it, three games. And then the third phase is everything else. So we, we – assuming 2020 has shared all of the surprises that it was going to share, we now have the rest of our schedule. Um, It is all against Western Conference opponents. Um, So RSL has faced very little Eastern Conference opposition this year. Um, It might actually just be, it honestly might only be the Orlando and New York Red Bulls games from earlier in the year. And I think every other game would have been a Western Conference game.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you might be right. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: I I literally think that's the case. Um, Yeah, I mean, at at this point, it's teams that we know very well. Um, So yeah, Minnesota's next, then LAFC, Seattle, Vancouver Whitecaps, Portland Timbers. We get another shot at the Colorado Rapids, which we'll get into in just a second fc dallas san jose earthquakes la galaxy and it wouldn't be a decision day if it wasn't off if it wasn't ending with skc on a sunday
0: on a sunday at home at that's home. just at four thirty, man this th- these are the kinds of games where i'm always sad that we're not going to, to to rio tinto obviously right and even if we were it's not the same thing right but I, I made p- peace with the fact this is, this is not happening anytime soon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And I don't even know if it's going to happen beginning of next season, if you really think about it, if, if I'm looking at some of these timelines and vac- vaccines and all this different crazy crap that's happening out there, right? So it might not even be beginning of next season, but I, I made peace with the fact that I'm not going to Rio Tinto this year, uh, at least not to that atmosphere that, that I am or we are used to. Some, something about a Sunday game against KC at home at 4.30 still gives me – it makes it even more real because, you know, that would be that game where, you know, we right. get trashed ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, we end up in a bar afterwards or something. It's probably going to be cold as hell, right? It's yeah, really it's November. Cold.
1: November yeah. 8th decision
0: day. It's um, – those are the games that, and it could be in part because I'm looking at memories from Facebook that keep coming up. Um, five years ago, last week, five years ago is when the, the, we had that famous um, Lompard, not Lompard, um, well, Gerard um, yes. Slippery when Wet Sign. Yes. Totally <laughs> yeah, so they came up as yes. a memory. So, yeah, these are the games that, that make me miss it most sure it's the saturday nights and it's the warm and all the other stuff man but it's a sunday cold game where we all know the ride would be about five thousand short of sellout anyways right um because it is sunday but uh, man those just make it fun you know what might be worth getting covid over <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> um, exactly yeah. so uh so that's that's the rest of the year um so fun little, little factoid on the Colorado game. Um, and many, many members of RSL Nation already asked this. And and like, out of all of the games that we're facing, I don't think this one's important or anything. I don't think it's, you know, it's away at Colorado. Um, but I've got it circled for no other reason than sweet, sweet payback. Um, uh, so RSL Nation has asked, it doesn't look like it's going to count towards the Rocky Mountain Cup. Um, and I, mm-hmm. actually, I actually got into a bit of a Twitter exchange with one of the uh, fans that represent that. So basically the, the, the cup, it's a fan cup, cup. And five fans from Real Salt Lake and five fans from the Colorado Rapids essentially form this committee of 10. And they kind of decide they decided the rules regarding this this trophy. And this year they decided which games would and wouldn't count for the Rocky Mountain Cup. And they decided, they voted, and they came to the conclusion that the two games we've played thus far in the regular season would be the deciding ones for the Rocky Mountain Cup. And I said, great, and so why don't you just decide now that you have the rest of the season to include this third one? And he goes, well, we, we knew that that could have been an option we we chose not to and it's like right but now you know the whole information basically i couldn't get a good why like why why wouldn't we suddenly count uh Mm -hmm. this third game and if we want to get real technical about it, fourth game um so i think we could you know i'm hoping this la galaxy game is a turnaround and we kind of get it all going and then the team finds winning ways again and i'm sure colorado will eventually regress to their average um but there could be a scenario where, where Colorado, Rat the Rapids have won one game out of the four this year and have the Rocky Mountain Cup, which is the most Colorado way of having the Rocky Mountain Cup. And, and I'm okay with that.
0: Like, hey, you can have it, but just acknowledge the fact that you won one out of four games this year. You know, I, I look at the Colorado fan base and this whole Rocky Mountain thing, a similar way that I view helping hungry kids in Africa. Um, I have a little extra, so I might as well give it to them, right? And just let them have it. Honestly, I was starting to feel bad. If anything, it might renew the rivalry a little bit. It has for me, it has nothing to do with the Rocky Mountain Cup itself. It's their reaction to it. Yes. It is. It is their players' reaction to it. It is the sting of the 5-0. Right. It's mostly that, yeah yeah the fact that dudes dudes in the locker were celebrating like they just won the world cup didn't help yeah but look man the the the, uh, a week earlier we we lost four zero to minneapolis i mean sure minnesota and i don't have that kind of um negative well it's negative but i have a negative as in like oh my god we suck and they're good i have i don't i didn't get that kind of vibe from them they're like okay act as if you have been there before I want that game. Uh, um, we, we might need to make a special episode of Scarf Life podcast specifically dedicated to motivation of our players going into that Colorado game. Right. And send it to them in a, on a cassette tape and see if they can figure out how to play it. Hey, guys, we made, we made you a mix. A <laughs> mixtape. It's a mixtape. That's what uh. it is. And let them play it in the locker room. Right. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's – it is – I – let's get over that game for just a second. Yeah, that, right. that's interesting. I don't really care about the Rocky Mountain Cup this year. So let them have it. Maybe he's going to put a little excitement into this thing going forward. But um, I, I like the the rest of the schedule. I don't want to say it's favorable to us, but obviously our destiny is completely in our hands. We're playing almost everyone mm-hmm. – In the Western Conference. Um, Obviously, we got the Vancouver and San Jose games, uh, both of whom are under us or below us in the standings. But neither of those games worked out well for us from earlier this season. Right. Um, And then we have everyone above us. Uh, It's going to be another few weeks of this, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday thing. It's awesome. Um, Looks like regular season is over by the end of the first week in November. And I think they have the playoff format already, which is very simple. But when is it supposed to end? Are we done? Mid-December again? Early December?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be early December is the MLS Cup. Yeah. Just so, without the, you know, long breaks. And yeah, single elimination, uh,
0: larger seed, host, lower seed at home. We're not going to win the MLS Cup, but this is set up for us to have a shot this is set up for someone like a Real Salt Lake to have a shot this yes. year's Salt Lake, Cause this is one of those areas where inconsistency actually pays off. I mean, if I can't figure out what team is going to show up, how are our opponents going to, right? <laughs> right. If you think of it from that perspective, um, I really think, look, let's just for a second, talk about this. I really think the MLS has done the most or the, has handled this whole situation about as well as it can. It really has. I, I thought the MLS is back tournament, other than the naming convention of this tournament, I thought the MLS is back tournament was thought out very well. I liked the you know, the, the three games um, in the groups, counting to points and the whole nine yards, then going back. It seems like a busy schedule, but hell, if it was less games, we would be deciding a champion of what, 10 games if we're only playing the weekends. So that wouldn't be good. Um, I think the MLS overall has reacted to this as well as it possibly can. They even handled very well the, the Canadian teams who are not able to play in Canada. Um, fi- I thought they figured it out really nicely. And even allowing certain stadia to to have fans based on local codes. So not making the whole thing political, say nothing across the league anywhere. You know, um, I think they handle it, they're handling it better than even someone like... Uh, the NFL is completely mishandling this whole thing. Uh, the NBA, I thought, went too far when they just literally decided the whole season is going to be played out in a tournament format and just lock everyone into a Disneyland for whatever, two months. Um, I thought the, I think the MLS has found a very, very nice sweet spot there that uh, I, I think we, should, we need to call them out and shout out to the leadership and say, nice work, good job. Thank you for giving us a season despite the world literally being on the brink of ending.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's for, a for a while, like it was great just to have, uh, you know, it was just great to have the distraction of sports. Like, you know, I, I, I remember those early months of COVID when it was literally just like nothing. And like, we were watching old like world cup replays. Um, no, it, it it's yeah, it, it's good to just have a season, and and you know I, I think people be normalize things very easily, and I think I've normalized that we have a version of the season. So now I want to optimize on that. It's the analyst in me. So now I'm going. You know, we're judging Freddie on it, and who are we gonna sign, and you know what's what's the club gonna do realistically, and all that, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets carried away quickly, but man, that, those are those are those are good problems to think about. It's better Absolutely. than the alternative. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into the next game for just a moment here. Um, we are playing Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. We... In Minnesota, we're going to Minnesota and actually playing Minnesota. <laughs> um, they just let's see, they just lost to the Columbus Crew two one um yesterday as well on the 23rd
1: yeah they've kind of been in a bit of a slip bit of a decline
0: yeah when in the world did this happen when did kai kamara go to minnesota what the hell did i miss
1: yeah that happened i want to say just just earlier this week
0: okay because he was already playing for them yesterday apparently
1: uh yeah, I mean, he was he, Colorado traded him, I believe for like some for like a a pick in the draft at some point and yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, I think some like Tam or something. I I forget the exact details, but yeah. I I hadn't realized that he had already played, but yeah. it it does make sense. They need some they need some of that. They need some some striker presence up at the top.
0: Yeah. Also, Minnesota, uh, obviously, you all remember from just a couple of weeks ago, the whooping in uh, Minnesota or against Minnesota, 4-0. Yep. Was it 4-0 or 4-1? I can't remember. I mean, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Doesn't really matter. Um, they're seventh in the standings, one point ahead of us. So this is another opportunity for us to jump a team and you know, go as high as probably third or fourth if that goes well. Um, or it's also an opportunity for them to go as high as second. It's a very important game right. at this at the, of, in this phase of the season. And it, it was 4-0, just FYI. I have. I, I wish you hadn't told me that because now I could have been sitting here thinking, oh, maybe it was just four one, but now I know. I have a very bad feeling about every single time we play Minnesota, and it's it's not these bad feelings are not always justifiable in with data. Right, I have. There are certain teams when we play, I just have a bad feeling about. It's Vancouver and Minnesota. Those are probably two of the biggest ones. Actually, are probably other, but NYCFC. Oh, and Orlando. Orlando always get a bad feeling when we play them. And maybe it's just one of those things. It's just like Albert taking penalties. He converts the majority of them, but I still have this bad feeling because of something that happened forever ago. Right. Right. And it's still in the back of my mind i i always have a bad feeling playing minnesota i don't like it and yeah
1: especially in minnesota like i i don't think we've had a win up i don't think we've had a tie up there actually it's the new texas isn't it yeah isn't yeah it was it, deemed last time we minnesota comes to the rio tinto and we'll have we'll, we'll tie them but whenever we go up there it's it's not good news we were their first victory, weren't
0: we? Yes, we were.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was. It was the first game after uh, Kasar had been fired, and Petke didn't want to take over that very because it was like like the game was on a Saturday and Kassar was fired on like a Thursday. Yeah, I remember that. And so Petke sat that one out.
0: And six uh, two, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was it was brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, six two. I remember that game very well. And ever since, I've had a bad, bad feeling every time we play Minnesota. For some reason, their style just doesn't suit us. Um, And on top of all of that, the inconsistency of our team, I do not see us walking away with three points from Minnesota. What do you think? I think we're just due, man. We're due for one. They're kind of sliding.
1: I'm I'm, going to say three points. I'm going to say we squeak out a 1-0 win. Mm-hmm. Just I like right, it. skin of our teeth. We don't deserve it, but
0: it just goes our way for a change. I think we're going to have a depleted lineup as well. I don't see Everton turning around this quickly and playing. <clears throat> I, um, I don't see Merrim turning around this quickly and playing. I think the defense probably stays put as is. I think the front, everything ahead of the defense, we might see some some changes, some pretty major changes. Hell, it could be Sam Johnson's opportunity to yeah, uh, yeah. put or, some minutes in, For Jason. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I think we see a half-ass team for the lack of a better word in this, um, and I see I see them beating us 2-0. Because I don't I don't know where the goals would be coming from. If if Corey's not playing, I'm not sure if Demir would play. Because don't we have a don't we have a game the following Wednesday as well. Uh. I
1: believe we do. So yeah, it's gonna be Sunday is uh, Minnesota, and no, no. So this actually bodes pretty well for us. So we have Minnesota on Sunday, and then we face LAFC on October
0: fourth, the next Sunday. The next Sunday. Okay. All right. So we have a week there. So maybe they might, he might run some, he might run some players out. I still see a depleted starting lineup and maybe a lot of subs at halftime and uh, and throughout the rest of the game. Just don't have a feeling. I don't have a good feeling about it. I think if you can squeeze out a point with the standings being what they are and knowing that other teams will have to beat up on each other, I think that's a big, big – it would be a big bonus for us. I would be very happy with a point on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's – you know, I, I can't fault your logic. Yep. All right, man. Any other closing Arguments or statements before we call it a, a day a week. Well, I mean, there's some pretty major news that we're just kind of skipping over here. So there during, always is. huh? There always is.
1: You don't want to talk about uh, Noah Powder. You let's talk- do it. So uh, so during during the broadcast, well, the Salt Lake version of the broadcast, Dunny hinted at you know news and reinforcements coming for uh, for Real Salt Lake. And in the last two days, we've had a couple of, you know, essentially Monarchs players being promoted to the first team, but not until 2021. Um, The, you know, Davis, the midfielder for the Monarchs and an academy product being the first one. And then the second, I think, slightly higher profile one that I think a lot of Monarchs fans have been kind of you know, saying should happen for a while is, is Noah Powder the left back. Um, I I've watched a few of the Monarchs games this year, which I can't say I I do every year. And um, yeah, the dude's the dude's good. He he impresses. I don't think he's going to be like. You know, it, it's it's a Monarchs player being signed to the first team. It's about as low risk as you can possibly get. Like they're inexpensive. If they end up working out, that's fantastic. And if you can sell them down the line, even better. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I do think we are very depleted at that position. Um, you know, it, it, it is kind of unfortunate that we have to wait until 2021 for that left back reinforcement. Because, uh, you know, RSL does technically have a left-back uh, backup, essentially, in in uh, Ashton Morgan, who we signed from Toronto, if you recall, at the start of this year. I remember the signing. I yeah. remember Dude the has signing. played all of one game for the uh, Monarchs um, against San Antonio FC this year. That's it. That is the extent of his impact. Um, for Real Salt Lake in the organization. Keep in mind, this is a dude who just the year prior regularly played for Toronto, including in Concacaf Champions Leagues games. So, not sure what the hell's going on there, but uh, he's clearly not the backup.
0: So, well, what's going on there is a the definition of a bad signing. We unfortunately we have a rich history of bad signings and re-signings in some cases right and that's just that's just a picture perfect example it it's not to the extent of a burrito or it's not to the extent of oh my god what's his name sports car uh, forward ortunio uh, Yeah. i mean that is it, that should that should be an example of a bad bad signing you know right. something you don't do and so is this um yeah no look man i'm excited So as you're talking, I keep reminding myself or keep remembering discussions we have had over. I mean, we can literally say years now because we've been doing this for years. And it is is that mentality that we always talked about which is the mentality of we are an academy first organization. I think we have probably said so many times on this podcast, again, throughout the years that we're never gonna be the the big club that buys the Zlatans of the world right, or the Roonies of the world. We might not even be the club that buys the Ladero's of the world, right? And we are going to be a, a, a system of academies, of high schools, of, of all of these different things that feed out the first team. I think it's worked out pretty well. I think the downside of this is we're probably not finding any world beaters in those places, right? So, but the upside is that it's consistent, it's safe, and we're seeing this being played out now. Over multiple years now, I mean, if you look at the team and if you look at how many of these guys have come through the system one way or the other, whether through the academy, whether through the Monarchs, whether, you know, any of the feeder systems that we have in place, it's incredible. Um, was it us that had six homegrown start earlier this year at one point? I right. mean, that's absolutely incredible. The right. Downside is again, we're not going to find the world world beaters out there. Sure, it's, um, you're not getting a finished product at that price. Exactly, going this route. So now this is where the kicker in all of this comes in. Um, again, Dunny is hinting at some big news. We're assuming it's signings, because he also oh, talked right. about one other thing I'm very passionate about. I'll tell you in a second. But I'm I'm anxio- anxiously awaiting some some movement, some news on on the new owner, right, or the new owners. And I'm, very, I'm, I'm gonna be very interested in asking the question. I might, I might need to go get a press pass just so I can go to the press conference when we introduce the new owner or when he or she or they introduce themselves to us. Because this, this will be my number one question. What mentality, what blueprint are we asking or are we looking to implement going forward? Is it the continuation of this feeder system, right? Turnkey operation as is, just use it. Or do we get someone with deep pockets coming in that wants to maybe add to that, maybe continue that, but also go out and shop for some big names. Sure. Hopefully with a new GM or new, whoever works in the front office and makes these signings because clearly we have, we cannot sign an expensive player that works out well for us. So there's that yeah, really, yeah. Re- really interested to see how that works out. Right.
1: I, I mean, I, I, think for, for, for what it's worth, uh, so just, Quick point point of clarification, uh, Noah is a product of the Red Bulls Academy, and we actually got him from New York Red Bulls too. Um, but yeah, he's been with the Monarchs last year, apparently tearing it up. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right, especially regarding the you know the thing about the what does the new owner bring and what's you know hopefully someone that doesn't mind paying some trance. so. My big doubt with the Lloyd Hansen, like when they when they being the you know, the the front office would say, the Lloyd Hansen has no problem paying for a player's salary, I believe them. I think where my frustration always lied is that the Lloyd Hansen doesn't want to pay transfer fees. Yeah, and in the world of soccer, you know, usually you got to pay a transfer fee unless you're buying from Rio Lake, in which case we usually just let some of our best walk- players walk free um it's you know and and so that's really the the clarification there um i think the fact i so while both both of those young men being signed was absolutely fantastic news to the organization i don't necessarily think that it's like a big enough deal to be what dunny had hinted at you know just to be totally totally honest um but Buying like a big marquee DP level player, a I don't think makes sense from like a roster slot standpoint for Real Salt Lake, but also probably not something you do while the team is being shopped. Uh, yeah. So so the owner thing does kind of make sense. It does all. I, I mean, I've never. I don't know what all goes into the purchase of a, you know, hundred million. Well, north of a hundred. 500 million dollar purchase of a soccer organization that includes a first team a backup team an academy and a women's team um but yeah it, it's i'm curious to find out what this a lot of
0: real estate and a I lot mean, of real I'm, estate I'm, yeah an academy I'm, I'm,
1: a high school
0: yeah i'm looking to buy a house right now and that's the complicated purchase this is a lot of real estate you're buying right and um yeah, I heard there's also complications because he owns the land around at certain areas and all these different things. Yeah, I'm I'm just interested. I want to see. At this point, obviously, it's very very important. Who who ends up buying this team can probably be. This is one of those pivotal things in the history of Real Salt Lake that many years from now, five ten years from now, we'll be looking back and and I mean pointing pointing to this point as where when we turned it around. Most a little hesitant because you know oftentimes the grass is on the greener on the other side mentality that a lot of people have I'm a little scared to see what happens i mean what if the new owners don't want to spend at all i'm assuming the mls would want to sell to them in the first place right. but it's going to be it's a pivotal pivotal moment in rsl history and i'm just excited the other thing that dunny mentioned um and we, we keep quoting dunny tonight but let's face it he is the foremost authority on rsl he's, he's the right? voice is the voice he not just the voice, but he's also the voice of reason? It seems like, you know, one of the very few people in public that also makes sense and can speak to normal people. Um, he said something very interesting. I've never heard of him or anyone else say it, but I know you and I have talked about this hundred times. Which is a standing only area, standing standing room only in the north end. North
1: Everyone or talks south? About
0: the south end, north. He said, "You're sure?" He said, "North." Oh yeah, north. Standing room only in the north. He said, "You know, he's looking at." would that be a good investment for someone to make? I'm assuming that also means building a roof over their heads, right? Because we have complained about that same thing. The Rio Tinto is one of those places where the visiting fans can be perceived to be louder than our south end section because the south end doesn't have a roof over their head and you can have, you know, 30 away fans sound like there's a thousand of them because of the roof over their head. Um, I think it's a really good idea i think you know whoever the new owner is we need to we need to push them on this plus think of it this way man how could you put a roof over the south end with that huge screen above it right do you put the roof over the right that wouldn't make a lot of sense right but the north end right the north end especially with the concord right behind it the concourse right behind it where you have the shopping and the walking and you have that old outdated scoreboard rip that thing down man put a little roof over it Hell, you can even make another another layer, right? So you can look makes it look make makes it look even more like a wall. Um, anyways, I'm really excited to see, you know, some of those changes and to see whether those changes are there. Um I think it's an unfortunate, you know, with the whole COVID thing with no fans in attendance, it would be a really good time to do some construction in the stadium. Um except then you're asking you know, an ownership group to invest money into a product that is making them less money now than it was earlier this year even. Right. Um, but it does seem like a good time to do some construction. Anyways, I'm just very excited. I really, I really, really hope we get, I don't even really care what end it is anymore. Some people are so passionate about keeping it on the south end. Like really, when you go to Monarchs games, you see in the north end, no one's complaining, who cares, right? um i th- i think it's interesting and i really hope that we do get a proper supporter section but well, we have a proper supporter section but we get a section where the supporters are set up to be to, to be heard the way they should be heard to be heard the way they so deserve to be heard uh and i just think it would be awesome on the north end because then you now you can you kind of start connecting 35 and then throughout the north end you know yeah
1: yeah and yeah that's the part so we're you know, once again, what feels like a lifetime ago, we're 35, Section 35 people, and so it would be great to have, like, a full connection with the supporters groups, 35, you know, that entire kind of side becoming a big wall, essentially, for for the team. Um But, yeah, it, it's, you know, ultimately it is Rio Tinto. Every... Every seat is its own uh, supporters group.
0: (laughs) There is that. God, I miss going to the games. Hey, I'm sure life will return back to normal one of these days. Yeah, I cannot wait for
1: 2022. (laughs) 2022. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, did you see that the fact that uh, the club emailed out um, options for 2021?
0: I did. I haven't actually read it. Yeah, say?
1: I mean, basically, it's like, hey, you know, use our credit for 2021 or, hey, I'm opting out.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm opting in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping there's something to
0: go to. Yeah, there's that. And we we've plus, we kind of paid half of it by now, didn't we? Well, maybe not I half. Mean, more than half. Oh, did we? Well, like. Because they're doing the subscription model now. Sure. But you
1: paid for uh, you paid for most of this year and you've gone to two games. Yeah, that's right. So, yep,
0: that's right. Or, scratch that. You've gone to one game. I have. Uh, yeah. Me, personally? No, well, I, you've, you have a ticket for one game. That's what I mean, yeah. Right. We had one home game that we could go to yep. before the world went nuts. And it was the opening day game. Well, it was good while it lasted. All right, let's wrap it up. I, I mean, I think that's it. I think we hit our nation with all the all the info they needed for this week, at least. All the 4 one ones. now you're better informed at least about what we think, <laughs> uh, what do we know? Just a couple of dummies sitting behind microphones talking. Um, I have a bad feeling about Minnesota, like I said, but I still have a good feeling for the rest of the season. I think we're making the playoffs. We're not winning a thing this year. It would be an extremely successful season if we make the playoffs and make it through the first round. I mean, extremely successful season in my mind. So I, th- I think as long as we look at it through that lens. Now, you know what's going to happen, right? We'll go on a winning streak. By winning streak, I mean two games, and then we'll be talking about winning the cup this year. Right. But we all know that's going to happen,
1: right? That would be the most – well, that's the thing, though. We can't do a winning streak right before the playoffs because we have to squeak into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah.
1: It'll be, it's basically –
0: uh, it, you know, it, give me a couple of more weeks, and I'm gonna start talking about the playoffs have started, right? Yes. This 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 formula is oh. just rinse and repeat, man. It's turnkey, rinse and repeat. It's it's the same <laughs> it's, thing every year. It's uh,
1: <laughs> the the names and faces change, but the stories stay the same. <laughs> exactly.
0: RSL Nation, has been pl- it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. It's been your boys Adele and the Baker with another podcast of Scarf Life. Have yourself a good one.